Hi, it's Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney at Play podcast. Well, it's spring at Epcot, and that means the International Flower and Garden Festival, well, it's well underway. We'll bring you our three favorite gardens, our three favorite topiary sets, and three favorite culinary kiosks. But then there's much more than just the Flower and Garden Festival as we look at whether you really can get the bang for your buck with Genie Plus at this park. Is this park worth it? What about getting an exclusive lightning lane option for Ratatouille? Can you do this? Or is there another way to get in without the long wait? Well, we'll take a look at that and then we will move beyond Genie Plus to discuss what's come back to Epcot, what's still not present in Epcot, and importantly, the status of attractions promised to the park. Are they coming or are they not? Finally, we'll end with Epcot's best lunchtime secret, something I had no idea. You gotta stay tuned for this. And by the way, you're gonna wanna also check out Disney at Play dot com our post that goes with this because it has lots of visuals um things that we're going to be talking about today you're going to want to see a picture of i'm just saying something troubling over at the old wonders of life building i don't want to give it away until the end but you're going to see an image that seems fairly troubling if you study it anyway so much so much happening and i've had a chance to spend several days over the last week uh, being in the park, it's been wonderful because it's just a beautiful time of year to be in Epcot. Enjoyed um, a college group that has come down from Illinois and uh, hosted them at the park and just had a great chance to check out all the activities. My son went on Ratatouille for the very first time. Uh, he's been reluctant to come back to the parks much because of the whole COVID thing, but he went on it, had such a great time in the park. It was so much fun. Um, and yeah, there's so many crazy things. You know, when you first get into the park, and you know, most of the times, because you're an annual pass holder, you tend to come toward late afternoon, early evening, and just kind of make an evening of it, a date night, so to speak. And um, so because I had to join this group earlier, I got to the park early in the morning at the time the resort guests were coming in. And I was surprised how they were parking. The regular guests who were not paying the premium parking, they were parking them way on the other side by, by the show building for Guardians of the Galaxy. Actually, it's not a far walk. It's kind of it's kind of like the same walk you have when you get off the buses at the resort. It's actually kind of, you're kind of coming in close at an angle there. Um, and you're not having to park behind handicap rows. So it's actually quite close. But I'm just humored by it because they always are doing these kinds of things to make the, because the dominant number of people who do the premium parking come in the morning. That's when they are more likely to pay for that service. And so they make it look like it's so wonderful by putting all the other parking way out uh, to what seems to be an extreme. It's just it's, it's a stupid Judy parking. That's, uh, that's what I would refer to it since it's close to the uh, old universe of energy. And you probably remember what stupid Judy was all about in that attraction. Now, that's said and done. Once you're in the park, it is beautiful. The whole entryway is gorgeous. And the music playing, I had to wait for my group. And it was just, 
I just mellowed out to the new sounds that are in that opening area of Epcot. It just feels fresh. It feels like a new day at Epcot. Um, and I'm glad to have these, these, the music in the front of the park isn't really tied to any attraction or anything. And the others were, you know, you'd hear the theme song for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which only reminded you of how Figment kind of got battered away. You know, just a lot of, a lot of, um, uh, a lot of uh, uh, memory attached to the old soundtrack. It just was, and it wasn't necessarily a good one. Um, but as you move through the park, the park is beautiful, especially because it is Epcot's annual International Flower and Garden Festival. Let me just name my three top topiaries for you. Um, one is a simple one. It's by the Mexico Pavilion. It's the Three Caballeros, and uh, they are beautifully... Uh, executed and in a wonderful little tight little garden right there and I they the their expressions are timeless I love that topiary the second one you will not easily see I mean you you can't help but see three caballeros as you're passing by Tinkerbell's fairy house garden has been more toward the back of the UK pavilion it's only been gone going on for a year or two um and it's very quaint it's very, if you, you might miss it if you weren't looking for it. It's Tinkerbell, she's small, right? And her friends are, but it really is worth checking out. And uh, they have these little houses they live in that are, are very cute. Actually, the houses go way back, way back. I'm thinking of covering this like 12 years ago, but they kind of went away, I think, or they just weren't really prominently displayed. And now they're kind of in the UK pavilion, which before they started in Future World, my favorite topiary, favorite, favorite. And I like, mind you, there are like 25 sets of topiaries. Um, you have, I, I love the Buzz Lightyear. I like the Woody, um, Bo Peep and her sheep, um, Simba and his friends, uh, the dragon. I, there's, oh, Kermit, I love Kermit. But the one I think is the great one for this year is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Now, they had the Seven Dwarfs, but before, but they were in a different style of topiary. These are much more, again, this is why you're gonna need photos. They are much more with the moss um, on their face. They are much more detailed and they are just cute. They are just clever and cute and they are amazing topiaries and along with Snow White. And, and by the way, Doc and Dopey both carry these lanterns. So at twilight, it's a great time to capture the image like I did. Uh, with mine. Um, they're in a bed of flowers. It's a great, uh, it's a great touch to the Germany Pavilion. If you love Snow White, you got to try that. Um, favorite gardens. I have to mention three that I just love. Um, and, and the first one is actually uh, introduced with a Bambi and Friends topiary in front. Bambi and Flower and Thumper are there. But moving beyond that, you get to Bambi's Butterfly House. And of course, the Butterfly Garden has been uh, a long time part of Epcot. But God, I tell you, it was just, it's just beautiful to have those those butterflies going around. We, that's, a, that's just a must-do every year we come. Another one that I love is Japan's Bonsai Collection. And then there's also a Kokodima Garden. 
you gotta go check it out and you gotta i mean japan's gardens are always beautiful but their bonsai collection is really amazing these things they're 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 older than time and yet they're so small and petite for their age so very cool you want to check out that and then the third one i have to mention is italy's garden italiano and they've kind of moved this around, but what they've done is there's a center circular stage in the middle of the plaza at Italy. And they have just chucked that thing full with plants and gardens in a terrace-like thing. Lady in the Tramp is there. I'm telling you, these are great places to check out, take some photos. Um, and it just uh, allows you to work off the food you're going to enjoy because there's some really great things uh, going on. I have to mention some favorite dishes and kiosks. In the Festival of the Arts, uh, they had an Encanto kiosk between what was um, uh, between what is France and Morocco. And I was a little, if you remember my review of that, I was a little surprised by that one because um, some of the food was rather spicy for Colombia, and the um, uh, empanada was was kind of okay, but the others just didn't quite hit it for me. Um, this time they've introduced arepas, uh, which is a favorite in in Colombia, but they don't call it the Colombia, and they don't call it encanto; they call it la isla fresca. Um, but arepas are so much a part of Colombia. And there are the white corn, not the yellow corn. I prefer the yellow corn. These were white corn and there's uh, a, a plain cheese, arepa con queso with cheese. There's one with sausage and there's one with shrimp. And I got to tell you, I was surprised the shrimp was probably the best one out of all of them. Also a coconut tres leches um, in Japan. I, you, you can always find something superb in any festival in Japan. I am, and the frushi, not as good as the one in in uh, California Adventure, but still definitely a a, a light, fresh, fun snack um, when you visit Japan. And then my all-time favorite, and I've posted images from Disney on it. Uh, the Epcot Sunshine Griddle near Test Track, which includes avocado toast, corned beef brisket hash, and fried cinnamon roll by You just roll out of Epcot after you're done with this. The avocado, I've, I've enjoyed these. They've had these for a couple of years now, and I love them. There's also a, um, a sausage and grits, and um, that's not bad either. Um, it's also available there. So again, great dishes. Great kiosk, lots of things to check out, um, and um, definitely uh, what I just love. And and honestly, I really recommend that you get to the International Flower and Garden Festival sooner than later because come March, the first of March, it goes through June until the beginning of June, but um, through March, beginning in May, it kind of gets a little too hot, you know, and the flowers kind of take on. Um, I just re recommend, by the way, um, that you just maybe get there sooner than later to the Flower and Garden Festival. Let's talk about Genie Plus. I have to mention this because it was the first time I've used Genie Plus specifically for Epcot. 
I didn't uh, I didn't think that I would need to use it. Um, but we did take it out with our group that we had in Epcot. And that group, um, which was led by David Zanola, and you know, again, I mentioned David and um he shared with me a great tip I'm gonna share a little later on uh today, but I would um he uh I would recommend him as your travel agent. You definitely need to um talk to David and Leah and uh, and get help and support with any travel needs you have. I mentioned it last week, particularly with the Star Cruiser. Do not bother with the Star Cruiser unless you have a travel agent because there's a lot of hassle, a lot of things you need to know before you go on that experience. But even a standard trip to Walt Disney World, I would recommend, Dave, and by the, by the way, I don't get compensated for that. I, I use David as my own travel agent. He's just that good. And so I really recommend him. But at any rate, um, they took out Genie Plus. Now they were staying on resort property. So they were able to take advantage of being there a half hour before the rest of the park opened or an hour. I can't remember what it was. But honestly, if you're staying on resort property, I have a hard time justifying Genie Plus. For them, they got one Genie Plus. I, they used the used it on the Frozen attraction. They could have gotten a second, um, but all that was needed was um, Test Track or Soren, and we had already ridden those before park opening, or right at the beginning of park opening. And so I got to tell you, we um, now he had problems because trying to get Frozen, it the system became. Um, frozen, um, but um, but notwithstanding, we they did get a later time for frozen. It's just the long and short of it is it's really hard to justify that. Now, what you do want to do, and by the way, one of the thoughts that David had, I thought was a really good one. It'd be great to see Genie Plus have a different per park pricing. Fifteen in all of the parks, I think it. I might be more inclined to do it if it were $10 in Epcot. I also might be more inclined, I still inclined to do it in Magic Kingdom if it were 20, which is the price over at the Disneyland Resort. They vary the price on Genie on the Select Lightning Lane options. I don't know why they don't just vary the Genie Plus. Um, because there just aren't enough attractions at Epcot that really now, maybe as some of the meet and greets come back into play, maybe if they create um, some harmonious places to watch a show, whatever, there could be some entertainment offerings that could be select. I, I, I would definitely get Genie Plus if I knew I had an option to get a good seat without having to pay for dinner and a meal at a show during a festival. So I could see that. But at any rate, right now, I, I have a hard time justifying $15 for Genie Plus. The other thing I would say is that David, and of course he had a larger group, had struggled to try to get the lightning lane for Ratatouille at the beginning of the day, ended up with one much later in the day. Um, you got to really, you got to really get going early on in order to get the, some of these lightning lane select passes. Uh, here is a tip I have if you don't have one and you really want to go on the attraction, 
Let me just tell you that, as I mentioned earlier, I had a chance to take my son, um, who is um, um, autistic and uh, low functioning. I had a chance to take him on Ratatouille, but our pass, our DAS pass to take him, wasn't good until about 8.40 in the evening, and the park was closing at 9. Notwithstanding, we went right on the attraction, came out about 8.50. I turned and looked at the standby line and the exterior of the standby line. I couldn't see the interior of the standby line, but the entire exterior was empty. There was nobody in line. Honestly, I don't know that you couldn't even get on 10, 15 minutes before park closing and still see the better part of the fireworks. So I would, and I saw as we were leaving a bunch of people heading. Now the time frame, the I can't remember what the time they had listed for Ratatouille. It was like 30 or 40, 40 minutes, I think was what was listed on it. But I tell you, it was not 40 minutes. It wasn't 10 minutes. This is like the Seven Dwarfs Mine thing that I mentioned earlier, to justify lightning lanes, they sometimes promote a longer standby line that really isn't uh, that long. And uh, so I would recommend that if you can't get that select lane for G for uh, Ratatouille, try checking it out about 15, 20 minutes before closing. I think you're going to have some, some pretty good success with that. All right, let's talk about what's been reopening, um, what is still closed, and what is perhaps coming soon. Maybe, maybe not. First off, we see um, that uh, Spaceship Earth, as you uh, go into the post-show area, which it has been closed forever and a day. And these are kind of intervention style, hands-on interactive activities. Those are all open and available for you to enjoy. So great way to just duck out of the sun in the heat of the day, um, taken in or during a rainy time. Um, Vanellope has returned to imagination, but apparently not Ralph yet, um, but it is back. And Joy has been here all along, but she's been kind of wandering out in the grass in front of imagination. Apparently she is back inside imagination. Now I say all these and they still haven't done the you know, can um, stand next to the character. Uh, there's still kind of a fencing or some kind of perimeter around the character, but at least you have a chance to see the character in their thematic environment. Same thing with Anna and Elsa and Royal Summer and the Royal Summer House. Um, you can go check them out and that's available. Although I'm also going to tell you, check on your times because I noticed as I was going by uh, the Royal Summer House. It was closed and there was no Anna and Elsa and it was uh, 7.38 in the evening. So these character meet and greets may not be going as long as they have traditionally gone during the day. So be sure to check those out before uh, before you um, uh, head over. You want to make sure you, you can catch them during the day. What's still closed? Well, the Asker Shoes Royal Banquet Hall that's still closed. Now, actually, it opened as a break area for those who want to take their mask off. Then it became attached to um, a Florida um, Blue Cross kind of event. You kind of went online and you could access that banquet hall as a relaxation place. That went on for a month or two or three. Um, now that's gone. Nobody's in the banquet hall. Monsieur Paul has been used 
in previous months as a kind of overflow area for uh, Chez de France, but its own unique uh, dining service experience has not returned yet. Uh, restaurant Marrakesh in the back of Morocco, it has not returned yet. Don't know that it will ever return. Takumite is a very intimate, select, high-end meal experience in Japan. Probably because of its intimacy in its dining rooms, it has not returned still yet. I'd like to think that maybe by summer it will, but has not. But returning to Morocco, uh, let's say. Brass Bazaar, Casablanca Carpets, Marketplace in Medina, Tangier Traders, Solak Macreb, Macreb. All of those places are currently closed. You remember that Morocco is made of little tiny um, retail places. There's still one open, but the rest are pretty well closed right now. And it's a disappointing thing because I love kind of strolling through that back section of Morocco. Then Dertaribar um, is the toy shop over in Germany. That side of the, uh, the pavilion has not reopened its retail spaces. Neither has the toy soldier or sportsman shop in the back half of the UK. Now the front half has, um, and, or, and some of the merchandise has been brought up to the front. So still check it out, but the back half of it has still not. But the Winnie the Pooh experience, I don't think has returned back there, although he has been out in the grounds kind of um, doing meet and greets. Um, and then finally, well, the Epcot experience actually has closed this last week. And Epcot experience was really very impressive. Um, impressive in that uh, it allowed you to um it was impressive in that it allowed you to uh just lost my uh point of thought here it allowed you to see what was coming to epcot which is a segue to our next section what's coming to epcot or what's not coming to epcot and um and so let's go through the list because there's still a lot and i'm not even talking about the centerpiece of what was future world or world celebration um let's first of all um coming much sooner is the new restaurant that takes the place of the old electric umbrella that has been widened out to take in the uh space that was part interventions before and partly a temporary um, retail space while um, uh, Creations was being built. The name of this new space is not Electric Umbrella, it's Connections. So you're going to have Connections next to Celebrations. The two C's will be next to each other. I have some photos of what it looks. It looks nice inside. It looks bright and it looks contemporary and it, it looks like a cool place to go and grab a bite to eat and I'm excited the menu was the biggest problem with the electric umbrella and I'm excited to see what could come of all that. So um, check out those photos. That is um, that is exciting that, um, it, and I believe in my opinion, they are hustling on that to get that ready for Guardians of the Galaxy because folks are gonna be lined up for hours 
on Guardians of the Galaxy and they're going to have hunger pains afterwards and they're going to want to come to Connections to grab a bite to eat. So I think they're trying to time that opening to the opening of Guardians Galaxy um, uh, coming next door. And of course that's on its way and the, the ship is continuing to be, I saw lighting on the ship at night, look good. The China film has almost been completely obliterated. In fact, I think this is one of the reasons why Epcot experience has been taken away because some of these things, there's just no promise of when they're going to arrive. The China film has no, no word anymore. I assume that it's been created, but I, I don't know if it's even gone through post. What is Spaceship Earth? Uh, this week, there was some f uh, a new rendering has surfaced, suggesting a new scene for Spaceship Earth if it were going to be remodeled. I think it will be. It's a matter of, I think, when, not if. And I could see that when happening after these other changes occur, both at Guardians and Celebrations and then the center of the park. I would say probably after that, then they're going to feel good about closing it um, because there'll be other options of where to go at that point. Uh, but anyway, you can see an image of what is kind of going through a forest of electronic trees, so to speak, as you kind of head through that. That's what's in... Um, the image that's been uh, that has surfaced for Spaceship Earth, Mary Poppins. So in the um, shareholders meeting, annual shareholders meeting, the very controversial shareholders meeting, which I have yet to come back to. The question was asked, "What about Mary Poppins?" And here is, well, the good news is, is that Bob Chapek has expressed interest in opening hoping that that um, still happens. He said that uh, some of the projects have been put on hold and vowed that as their cash situation became more, more liquid, um, they would go back to refunding these projects. He noted that Mary Poppins, uh, that attraction is uh, one of his favorite projects. So I'd like to think there's hope for Mary Poppins somewhere along the way. So that was positive. The one that's most discouraging to me is the Play Pavilion. Play Pavilion happens in the Wonders of Life, uh, former Wonders of Life Pavilion. And that Wonders of Life Pavilion could soak up a lot of people. And with the crowds being what they are, they need a place to soak up a lot of people. And, uh, and it was part of the Epcot experience. It was gonna be interactive games and meet and greets and things of that nature, a place to play, so to speak, in the future. Um, what is troubling to me is a photo I took, and you have to see this, but there is a new um, flower berm which has been put in front of the play pavilion. Um, and it is very confusing because it's like completely blocking this long garden landscape is with trees, with a tree in front, is completely blocking the entrance to the path that leads you to Wonders of Life. I don't know what to make of it. My thought is that maybe they were gonna add a fence behind this berm and then they were gonna open up the entire space for 
out in front for Guardians of the Galaxy. Maybe they're intending to put a new entrance of sorts into Wonders of Life. That sounds expensive and dumb to do, but maybe that's something they were planning on doing. Maybe this thing's going away. I don't know, but this is this is troubling to me because I really believe this needs to open and there needs to be more options of things to enjoy while at Epcot. And by the way, why not Mirabelle? She she is already doing character meet and greets over at Disneyland, turning red. Why I could see there is a I didn't mention, but there's a retail space in Canada that's long been closed. It's on the center floor, the top above um, Le Cellier, but there it has been a retail space. Well, this turning red takes place in Canada. Why not put turning red into as a meet and greet in Canada. And I know it's kind of a little bit of China meets Canada. I would not put it in China, but I would put a red panda meet and greet right there in the heart with some Toronto flags and and um, theming and put it right there. That's, that's my thinking on it. Before we leave Epcot for the day, just let me uh, leave a little tip. Actually, I got this from uh, David Zanola. Can't believe I did not know this. Um, where do you go for lunch at Epcot? Sometimes you end up with a big um, dining uh, experience and well worth it because there are some really terrific restaurants at Epcot. And of course, there are the festivals. So sometimes you want to try the booths and so forth. Um, but sometimes you want just a moment to kind of chill and get away. The problem with the festival booths is that really kind of allocates you to eating on top of a trash receptacle. Not my idea of a great experience. Um, Here's something that you probably would never think of or wouldn't think of too often. Cantina de San Angel is Epcot's version of, well, Taco Bell, kind of. And it's honestly not my favorite of all choices. Although I can usually find something, um, something okay to eat. But if you combined it with dining inside of La Hacienda de San Angel, yeah, yeah, you got my interest immediately. David tells me that from 11 to 1.30 each day, you can grab food at the counter service of Cantina and then head inside the Hacienda to enjoy your meal. And I posted some images of this. It's just so beautiful and quiet. Few people know about it. So you practically have the restaurant to yourself, beautiful views of the lagoon and just a peaceful way to just chill out and enjoy the moment. Even if you just end up getting a few churros and a drink, it's a great place to just go in and chill from a rainstorm or from the heat of the day and just get away from it. It's only from 11 to 1.30, but I think it's maybe Epcot's newest, if not best, lunchtime secret. So at any rate, that does it for Epcot today. Thanks for joining us and being part of this podcast as always. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to uh, uh, give us a, a positive rating, if you would, or a review over at iTunes. And be sure to check out the Wayfinder Society. That's where we offer interactive tools for your enjoyment of all things Disney. Again, thanks for joining us. And in the words of Sinbad's storybook voyage, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.